Act Four of Orinoco by Thomas Southern. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One. Enter Weldon and Jack Stanmore. You see, honest Jack, I have been industrious for you. You must take some pains now to serve yourself. Gad, master, well done. I have taken a great deal of pains, and if the widow speaks honestly, faith and troth, she'll tell you what a pains-taker I am. Fie, fie, not me. I am her husband, you know. She won't tell me what pains you have taken with her. Besides, she takes you for me. That's true. I forgot you had married her. But if you knew all— "'Tis no matter for my knowing all. If she does—' "'Aye, aye, she does know, and more than ever she knew since she was a woman. For the time I will be bold to say, for I have done.' "'The devil take you, you'll never have done.' "'As old as she is, she has a wrinkle behind more than she had, I believe. For I have taught her what she never knew in her life before.' what care i what wrinkles she has or what you have taught her if you'll let me advise you you may if not you may prate on and ruin the whole design well well i have done nobody but your cousin and you and i know anything of this matter i have married mistress lackett and put you to bed to her which she knows nothing of to serve you in two or three days i'll bring it about so to resign up my claim with her consent quietly to you but how will you do it that must be my business in the meantime if you should make any noise twill come to her ears and be impossible to reconcile her nay as for that i know the way to reconcile her i warrant you but how will you get her money i am married to her that i don't know indeed you must leave it to me you find all the pains I shall put you to will be to be silent. You can hold your tongue for two or three days. Truly not well in a matter of this nature. I should be very unwilling to lose the reputation of this night's work and the pleasure of telling. You must mortify that vanity a little. You will have time enough to brag and lie of your manhood when you have her in a barefaced condition to disprove you. Well, I'll try what I can do. The hopes of her money must do it. You'll come at night again? Tis your own business. But you have the credit on it. Twill be your own another day, as the widow says. Send your cousin to me. I want his advice. I want to be recruited, I'm sure. A good breakfast and to bed. She has rocked my cradle sufficiently. Exit she would have a husband and if all be as he says she has no reason to complain but there's no relying on what the men say upon these occasions they have the benefit of their bragging by recommending their abilities to other women theirs is a trading estate that lives upon credit and increases by removing it out of one bank into another now poor women have not these opportunities we must keep our stocks dead by us at home to be ready for a purchase when it comes a husband let him be never so dear and be glad of him or venture our fortunes abroad on such rotten security that the principal and interest nay very often our persons are in danger if the women would agree 
which they never will, to call home their effects, how many proper gentlemen would sneak into another way of living for want of being responsible in this? Then husbands would be cheaper. Here comes the widow. She'll tell truth. She'll not bear false witness against her own interest, I know. Enter Widow Lackett. Now, Mistress Lackett. Well, well, Lackett, what do you will now? Now I am married to you. I am very well pleased with what I have done, I assure you. And with what I have done, too, I hope. Ah, oh, Master Weldon, I say nothing, but you are a dear man, and I did not think it had been in you. I have more in me than you imagine. No, no, you can't have more than I imagine. Tis impossible to have more. You have enough for any women, in an honest way, that I will say for you. Then I find you are satisfied? Satisfied? No, indeed, I'm not to be satisfied, with you or without you. To be satisfied is to have enough of you. Now, tis a folly to lie, I shall never think I can have enough of you. I shall be very fond of you. Would you have me fond of you? What do you do to me, to make me love you so well? Can't you tell what? Go, there's no speaking to you. You bring all the blood of one's body into one's face, so you do. Why do you talk so? Why, how do I talk? You know how. But a little colour becomes me, I believe. How do I look today? Oh, most lovingly, most amiably. Nay, this can't be long a secret, I find. I shall discover it by my countenance. The women will find you out. You look so cheerfully. But do I? Do I really look so cheerfully, so amiably? There's no such paint in the world as the natural glowing of a complexion. Let them find me out if they please, poor creatures. I pity them. They envy me, I'm sure, and would be glad to mend their looks upon the same occasion. The young, jilt-flirting girls, forsooth, believe nobody must have a husband but themselves. But I would have them to know there are other things to be taken care of, besides their green sickness. I sure, or the physicians would have but little practice. Master Weldon, what must I call you? I must have some pretty fond name or other for you. What shall I call you? I thought you liked my own name. Yes, yes, I like it. But I must have a nickname for you. Most women have nicknames for their husbands. Cuckold? No, no. But tis very pretty before company. It looks negligent, and is the fashion, you know. To be negligent of their husbands, it is indeed. Nay, then, I won't be in the fashion, for I can never be negligent of dear Master Weldon. And to convince you, here's something to encourage you not to be negligent of me. Gives him a purse and a little casket. Five hundred pounds in gold in this, and jewels to the value of five hundred pounds more in this. Weldon opens the casket. Ay, marry, this will encourage me indeed. There are comforts in marrying an elderly woman, Master Weldon. Now a young woman would have fancy she had paid you with her person, or had done you the favour. What do you talk of young women? You are as young as any of them, in everything but their folly and ignorance. And do you think me so? But I have no reason to suspect you. Was I not seen at your house this morning, do you think? You may venture again. You'll come at night, I suppose. Oh, dear! At night? So soon? Nay, if you think it so soon. Oh, no, it is not for that, Master Weldon, but... You won't come, then? Won't? I don't say I won't. That is not a word for a wife. 
If you command me. To please yourself. I will come to please you. To please yourself. Own it. Well, well. To please myself, then. You're the strangest man in the world. Nothing can escape you. You're to the bottom of everything. Enter Daniel, Lucy following. What would you have? What do you follow me for? Why mayn't I follow you? I must follow you now all the world over. Hold you. Hold you there. Not so far by a mile or two. I have enough of your company already, by her lady, and something to spare. You may go home to your brother, and you will. I have no farther to do with you. Why, Daniel, child? Thou art not out of thy wit, sure, art thou? Nay, Mary, I don't know, but I am very near it, I believe. I am altered for the worse mightily since you saw me, and she has been the cause of it there. How so, child? I told you before what would come, aunt, of putting me to bed to a strange woman, but you would not be said nay. She is your wife now, child. You must love her. Why, so I did at first. But you must love her always. Always? I loved her as long as I could, mother, and as long as loving was good, I believe, for I find now i don't care a fig for her why you lubberly slovenly misbegotten blockhead nay mistress lucy say anything else and spare not but as to his begetting that touches me he is as honestly begotten though i say it that he is the worse again i see all good nature is thrown away upon you it was so with his father before him he takes after him and therefore i will use you as you deserve you tony indeed he deserves bad enough but don't call him out of his name his name is daniel you know she may call me hermaphrodite if she will for i hardly know whether i'm a boy or a girl a boy i warrant thee as long as thou livest let her call me what she pleases mother tis not her tongue that i'm afraid of i will make such a beast of thee such a cuckold oh pray no i hope do nothing rashly mistress lucy such a cuckold i will make of thee i had rather be a cuckold than what you would make of me in a week i'm sure i have no more manhood left in me already than there is saving the mark in one of my mother's old under-petticoats here. Sirrah, sirrah! Meddle with your wife's petticoats, and let your mother's alone, you ungracious bird, you! Beats him. Why, is the devil in the woman? What have I said now? Do you know, if you were asked, I trow, but you are all of a bundle, even hang together, he that unties you makes a rod for his own tail and so he will find it that has anything to do with you oh rogue enough you shall find it i have a rod for your tail still no wife and i care not i'll swing you into better manners you booby beats him off and exit you have consummated our project upon him nay if i have a limb of the fortune 
i care not who has the whole body of the fool that you shall and a large one i promise you have you heard the news they talk of an english ship in the river i have heard on't and am preparing to receive it as fast as i can there's something the matter too with the slaves some disturbance or other i don't know what this so much the better still we fish in troubled waters we shall have fewer eyes upon us pray go you home and be ready to assist me in your part of the design i can't fail in mine exit the widow has furnished me i thank her to carry it on now i have got a wife tis high time to think of getting a husband i carry my fortune about me a thousand pounds in gold and jewels let me see twill be a considerable trust and i think i shall lay it out to advantage enter stanmore so weldon jack has told me his success and his hopes of marrying the widow by your means i have strained a point stanmore upon your account to be serviceable to your family i'll take it upon my account and i am very much obliged to you but here we are all in an uproar so they say what's the matter a mutiny among the slaves orinoco is at the head of them our governor is gone out with his rascally militia against them what it may come to nobody knows for my part i shall do as well as the rest but i'm concerned for my sister and cousin whom i expect in the ship from england there's no danger of them i have a thousand pounds here in gold and jewels for my cousin's use that i would more particularly take care of tis too great a sum to venture at home and i would not have her wronged of it therefore to secure it i think my best way will be to put it into your keeping you have a very good opinion of my honesty takes the purse and casket i have indeed and if anything should happen to me in this bustle as nobody is secure of accidents i know you will take my cousin into your protection and care you may be sure on it if you hear she is dead as she may be then i desire you to accept of the thousand pounds as a legacy and token of my friendship my sister is provided for why you amaze me but you are never the nearer dying i hope for making your will not a jot but i love to be beforehand with fortune if she comes safe this is not a place for a single woman you know pray see her married as soon as you can if she be as handsome as her picture i can promise her a husband if you like her when you see her i wish nothing so much as to have you marry her yourself from what i have heard of her and my engagements to you it must be her fault if i don't i hope to have her from your own hand and i hope to give her to you for all this ay ay hang these melancholy reflections your generosity has engaged all my services i always thought you worth making a friend you shan't find your good opinion thrown away upon me i am in your debt and shall think so as long as i live exeunt scene two the country enter on one side of the stage orinoco aboan with the slaves imoinda with a bow and quiver the women some leading others carrying their children upon their backs the women with their children fall behind imoinda you must not expose yourself retire my love i almost fear for you i fear no danger life or death i will enjoy with you my person is your guard now sir blame yourself 
if you had not prevented my cutting his throat that cow there had not discovered us he comes now to upbraid you enter on the other side the governor talking to hotman with his rabble this is the very thing i would have wished to hotman your honest service to the government shall be rewarded with your liberty his honest service call it what it is his villainy the service of his fear if he pretends to honest services let him stand out and meet me like a man advancing hold you and you who come against us hold i charge you in a general good to all and wish i could command you to prevent the bloody havoc of the murdering sword i would not urge destruction uncompelled but if you follow fate you find it here the bounds are set the limits of our lives between us lies the gaping gulf of death to swallow all who first advances enter the captain with his crew here 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 they are governor what seize upon my ship come boys fall on advancing first orinoco kills him thou art fallen indeed thy own blood be upon thee rest it there he did deserve his death take him away the body is removed you see sir you and those mistaken men must be our witnesses we do not come as enemies and thirsting for your blood if we desired your ruin the revenge of our companion's death had pushed it on but that we overlook in a regard to common safety and the public good regard that public good draw off your men and leave us to our fortune we're resolved resolved on what your resolutions are broken overturned prevented lost what fortune now can you raise out of them nay grant we should draw off what can you do where can you move what more can you resolve unless it be to throw yourselves away famine must eat you up if you go on you see our numbers could with ease compel what we request and what do we request only to save yourselves the women with their children gathering about the men i'll hear no more hear, hear him hear him he takes no care, he of, takes us. No care, of, us. care of us to those poor wretches who have been seduced and led away to all and every one we offer a full pardon then fall on preparing to engage lay hold upon t before it be too late pardon and mercy the women clinging about the men they leave orinoco and fall upon their faces crying out for pardon pardon, pardon. mercy mercy pardon. pardon let them go all now governor i see i own the folly of my enterprise the rashness of this action and must blush quite through this veil of night a whitely shame to think i could design to make those free who were by nature slaves wretches designed to be their masters dogs and lick their feet whip whip them to the knowledge of your gods your christian gods who suffer you to be unjust dishonest cowardly and base and give them your excuse for being so 
I would not live on the same earth with creatures that only have the faces of their kind. Why should they look like men who are not so, when they put off their noble natures for the groveling qualities of downcast beasts? I wish they had their tails. Then we should know them. We were too few before for victory. To Imoinda, Aboan. We're still enough to die. Enter Blanford. Live, royal sir, live, and be happy long on your own terms. Only consent to yield, and you shall have what terms you can propose, for you and yours. Consent to yield? Shall I betray myself? Alas, we cannot fear that your small force, the force of two with a weak woman's arm, should conquer us. I speak in the regard and honour of your worth in my desire and forwardness, to serve so great a man. I would not have it lie upon my thoughts that I was the occasion of the fall of such a prince, whose courage carried on, in a more noble cause, would well deserve the empire of the world. You can speak fair. Your undertaking, though it would have brought so great a loss to us, we must all say was generous and noble and shall be regarded only as the fire of youth that will break out sometimes in gallant souls we'll think it but the natural impulse a rash impatience of liberty no otherwise think it what you will i was not born to render an account of what i do to any but myself blanford comes forward to the governor i'm glad you have proceeded by fair means i came to be a mediator Try what you can work upon him. Are you come against me too? Is this to come against you? Offering his sword to Orinoco. Unarmed to put myself into your hands. I come, I hope, to serve you. You have served me. I thank you for it. And I am pleased to think you were my friend while I had need of one. But now tis past. This farewell, and be gone embraces him it is not past and i must serve you still i would make up these breaches which the sword will widen more and close us all in love i know what i have done and i should be a child to think they ever can forgive forgive were there but that i would not live to be forgiven is there a power on earth that i can ever need forgiveness from you shall not need it no I won't not need it. You see, he offers you your own conditions, for you and yours. I must capitulate, precariously compound on stinted terms to save my life? Sir, he imposes none. You make them for your own security. If your great heart cannot descend to treat an adverse fortune with an enemy, yet, sure your honor's safe, you may accept offers of peace and safety from a friend. Governor to Blanford. He will rely on what you say to him. Offer him what you can. I will confirm and make all good. Be you my pledge of trust. Will answer with my life for all he says. Governor aside. I do. And pay the forfeit, if you please. Consider, sir. Can you consent to throw that blessing from you? You so hardly found. Pointing to Imoinda and so much valued once. Emma Winda. Oh, 
tis she that holds me on this argument of tedious life. I could resolve it soon were this cursed being only in debate. But my Imawinda struggles in my soul. She makes a coward of me. I confess I am afraid to part with her in death, and more afraid of life to lose her here. This way you must lose her. Think upon the weakness of her sex, made yet more weak with her condition, requiring rest and soft indulging ease to nurse your hopes and make you a glad father. There I feel a father's fondness and a husband's love. They seize upon my heart, strain all its strings to pull me to them from my stern resolve. Husband and father. All the melting art of eloquence lives in those softening names. Methinks I see the babe, with infant hands, pleading for life and begging to be born. Shall I forbid his birth, deny him light, the heavenly comforts of all cheering light, and make the womb the dungeon of his death, his bleeding mother his sad monument? These are the calls of nature that call loud. They will be heard and conquer in their cause. He must not be a man who can resist them. No, my Emma I will venture all to save thee and that little innocent. The world may be a better friend to him than I have found it. Now I yield myself. Gives up his sword. The conflict's past, and we are in your hands. Several men get about Orinoco and Abawan and seize them. So you shall find you are. Dispose of them as I commanded you. Good heaven forbid! You cannot mean... Governor, to Blanford, who goes to Orinoco. This is not your concern. To Imoinda. I must take care of you. I am at the end of all my care. Here I will die. With him. Holding Orinoco. You shall not force her from me. He holds her. Then I must try other means, and conquer force by force. They force her from him. Break! Cut off his hold! Bring her away! I do not ask to live. Kill me, but here! Oh, bloody dogs! Inhuman murderers! Imoenda forced out of one door by the governor and others. Orinoco and Abawan hurried out of another. Exeunt. End of Act Four.